The information in this broadcast is for educational purposes only and is not provided as a professional service, medical advice, or is it intended or implied to be a substitute for diagnosis or treatment. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this broadcast with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician and other appropriate healthcare providers. Hi, I'm Pete Levine. Welcome to Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified. I'm a clinical instructor and clinical researcher. I've co-authored dozens of scientific journal articles about brain injury recovery, and I'm also the author of the book, Stronger After Stroke. I'm Deborah Battistella, occupational therapist, creator of the OT's Guide to Mirror Therapy, and an OT educator. I have a lot of experience working with survivors. Most of my clinical practice has been in a certified stroke center. Pete and I are especially interested in talking about what rehab, neuroscience, and clinical research all have to say about the brain and recovery. But don't worry, our job is to make this stuff simple. We're here to make it so that everyone, clinicians, clinical students, caregivers, and most importantly, the survivor, understands what it takes to leverage their great neuroplastic brain for recovery. That was the neat thing. This one client that had this really big change did nothing else. She just did her little exercises at home and that was it. But no, no therapy with us or in other facilities, nothing. She did her basic home program just to maintain what she already had, what she had already been doing. Um, But yeah, it really made a huge impact for her. Was this a home program that she already had received prior to coming to you? Yes, she had been doing this home program for a while. Even with us, when we were doing OT with her prior to BCI, she was doing Mm -hmm. this home program. Last summer, Pete and I interviewed two amazing OT practitioners. Doro and Lynette from the NeuroHub. The NeuroHub is a small outpatient clinic located in Altamonte, Florida, which is in the Orlando area. Doro and Lynette specialize in treating people with neurological injury and illness using a holistic approach to care that includes addressing motor, sensory, and cognitive deficits, as well as educating clients and caregivers on the importance of sleep, proper nutrition, exercise, and mindfulness for optimal recovery. When we met, the four of us connected instantly, and Pete and I knew we had to have them on the show. Doro and Lynette joined Noggins and Neurons back in July for interesting and inspiring conversation. They shared so much valuable information that we released two episodes, so I encourage you to check them out. Look for the titles Leading Edge OT with Doro and Lynette of NeuroHub, Parts 1 and 2. And the release dates were July 18th and July 21st. In Part 2, we learned that NeuroHub introduced brain-computer interface technology as part of their neurointervention repertoire. We were really excited about that and spoke with them about returning to noggins and neurons to talk about their experience with this technology after they had an opportunity to use it for a while. If you're at all curious about how technology is used in brain injury recovery, keep listening. 
we welcome Doro and Lynette back to noggins and neurons. In this conversation, we learn all about how they use low, medium, and high-tech interventions in their clinic. And of course, we go deep as Doro and Lynette share how technology elicits client engagement. We also talk about the importance of meaning and novelty for recovery and promoting neuroplastic change. During our conversation, we tossed around terminology commonly used by healthcare providers, and I realized that some listeners may not be familiar with these terms. So I will explain that information first, and then we'll get into the talk. Let's start with proprioception. This term comes up a lot in reference to stroke and brain injury recovery, and that's because proprioception is often impaired when people experience brain injuries. Pete talked about it in more depth in the previous episode titled New Grad Cues, but basically proprioception is awareness of the body in space, such as knowing where an arm or a leg is. It's an unconscious mechanism and it's closely connected to our movement sense and it's important for how we move about in the world. I realize that most of you likely know what tactile means, but just in case some people don't, it refers to the touch sense. At one point in our chat, Doro refers to proximal stability. Therapy practitioners often speak to the importance of proximal stability as it relates to distal mobility. Proximal has to do with being close to the center of the body and distal refers to being farther away from the center. For example, the shoulder is proximal and the wrist is distal. The reason why proximal stability is important is because it's easier to use the limbs when the core is stable. We also refer to the Stroop test. The official name is the Stroop Color and Word Test. It's an assessment tool where a test subject is shown words of various colors typed in different color fonts. The subject must read the words correctly. For example, on a page, the word black may appear in green font, the word orange in blue colored font, and the word purple in orange font. When reading, it's possible to become confused and say the color seen rather than the word given. Clinically, the test is used to assess a person's ability to inhibit cognitive interference. Many tasks that we perform in everyday life require a lot of thinking. So for example, if you're driving in a car, you have to be able to concentrate on driving, take in information that's going on around you in the world, process that information, and produce a quick and effective decision to make sure that you're driving safely. Therefore, what we can learn from the Stroop test is if a person has difficulty correctly reading the words, it is very likely that they will have difficulty completing these higher level activities of daily living. The term EEG comes up as well. EEG refers to electroencephalogram, which is a device that records electrical activity within the brain. We also talk about functional e-stim. This is also referred to as functional electrical stimulation, or FES. 
And functional e-stim is a treatment that applies a mild electrical current to a weak or paralyzed muscle to activate that muscle. Now let's talk about brain-computer interface. According to Science Direct, a brain-computer interface is a system that measures activity of the central nervous system and converts it into artificial output that replaces, restores, enhances, supplements, or improves natural central nervous system output and thereby changes the ongoing interactions between the central nervous system and its external or internal environment. All of this will make so much more sense as you listen to our conversation about the brain-computer interface. Recoverix is the name of the system that Doro and Lynette use at NeuroHub. The Recoverix website lists NeuroHub as a treatment site, and I've included a link to the Recoverix website as well as NeuroHub's website to the show notes, along with other relevant sources that we talk about today. Now, let's hear from Doro and Lynette. story of our lives anyway. <laughs> okay, so hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome, Doro and Lynette, joining the Noggins and Neurons podcast. I'm here. It's the three of us. Pete's taking a break to take care of some personal business. So how are you guys doing? So we're doing, we're doing good. well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for coming Thanks for back. having us. So excited. I feel like we have a lot of things to talk about. A lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. So last summer, when we were chatting with the four of us, and we had so much to talk about that it turned into two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of uh, what, like meaty content, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, really good information for people who our survivors learning how occupational therapy interventions and evaluations can be done. We talked about driver rehab. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about using technology in the clinic. And we talked, you know, we talked about some other fun things too. We talked about books that we like to read and other podcasts that we like to listen to. So, how we learn. And I know that a lot of people are interested in technology. And I wonder if we could start there, if you wouldn't mind reminding all of us of the brain-computer interface technology that you use. And I would also like to cover some of the other technology that you use in your clinic. I was listening to our talk earlier today to prepare, and one of the things that you mentioned is that your clients like the variety, they like a healthy competition. And I would love to revisit some of those important points. Sure. So Dor, do you want to start with talking about BCI or start with the other tech and then ease into BCI? What do you think? Either way works for me. We can start with the other tech and kind of talk a little bit about what we've been using. Um, with technology and now we're getting our feet wet with BCI and more brain technology. 
Exactly. We actually had quite a few trials since June of last year that we've had. Yes. We had the, can we say the other things that we tried? The, the oh, no. Uh, no. The re- oh, no, we can't. <laughs> Cannot. <laughs> They're still a secret. Well, you know why you're doing that? So you get to come back on the show. Oh. <laughs> Are there any that we can say that aren't a secret that we tried? No. Nope. There were like three. Not, none of them. Okay. Well. Well, it's under wraps. You'll have to come visit us in Florida in that case. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> um, BCI we can talk about. Yeah, and the technology that we have in the clinic for... Got you. So our... Center our, treatments. Our uh, Repile suite, our Neofect suite, and our yep. Sablu devices, and what else? Lots of Eastum. Um, anything, we really have anything from low-tech, the good old uh, hand paddle and duct tape to <laughs> high tech with electrodes on the brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really runs the gamut. But I would say like our favorite mid mid uh, point technology is probably the Neofex suite. We use that quite yeah. a bit. We have a smart board, which utilizes it like it offloads the weight of the arm, which that alone a lot of clients appreciate just having their arm be kind of weightless and they glide it along this board. And the board interacts with various different games that work on range of motion, timing. Um, some of them can work on cognition, um, memory, those kinds of things. And that one people get a lot of use of. And they, they yeah. love the feeling of the weightlessness of their arm in that device. And the main purpose is the during the treatment is the gamification aspect or the main yes. aspect of the treatment is the gamification. Um and it's just so successful compared to other treatments when you compare them side by side, just the client engagement that you get when you give them a, a challenge um, and you ask them to get a higher score this time or we created um, a challenge amongst the clients before where it was like a fighter jet game or something. And yeah. all the dudes, all the guys <laughs> wanted to play it and wanted to see, oh, who got more points? Uh-huh. Um, so it's just fun to see that right, and uh, it allows the engagement. To, exactly. Yeah. It allows them to focus on something other than that extra, you know, 10 degrees of range of motion. They can just focus on the game and like, you'd be surprised how much more they'll move playing a game than they will if we ask them to do the same repetition, like a hundred times. Correct. So, and as we know from research, by having a fun, novel treatment approach, that's how we create neuroplastic changes more so than doing the good old 10 reps um, <laughs> pumping them out without anything without meaning you know we, we right. want to add that meaning um, and if we can even add the fun aspect then right. we're on the right track yeah that's kind of that's part of the secret sauce mm-hmm. oh now we're getting into that secret sauce so fun <laughs> fun is important oh for it sure. is I agree. You will. We we goof off with clients all day, every day. It's just so important. Of course, we can be serious and sensitive to things, but life is too short. Yeah. You know, it's just it's. No matter what they come to us for, it's usually a, a crappy situation, and we try to just make the best out of it and enjoy every moment they're with us. Exactly. I have a question. Mm-hmm. With this Neofact smart board, mm-hmm. that reduces gravity, right? So they're using a gravity-reduced plane. 
mm-hmm, to complete correct. activities. What motions are you working on? So it's mostly a horizontal shoulder adduction, abduction, elbow flexion, and extension. And um, those are the main ones. And forward, yeah, forward reach. So you can um, do like protraction, retraction of the scapula. That's yeah. another one we really like in that one. Mm-hmm. Crossing midline. <clears throat> Sounds a lot more interesting than that. Um, what was that thing that I learned about when I was a student? Was it like a powder board? They oh, yeah. remember that thing? Oh, I Lynette, do. you're probably too young. <laughs> I, I have not heard of that one, but maybe my professors weren't as cool. Maybe they just decided not to include it. But it's yeah, possible. so what is it? What is a powder board? Is that where you literally it, just? It is kind of like a powder board, but this time in this age and technology, you just plug in the computer and play a game with it. Gotcha. Basically, it's just like a little uh, tabletop that you use tablet. to slide your extremity on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the tablet to, to view the games. Yeah. But that one is a really nice one that we love from the NeoFlex suite. And then there's also a NeoFlex glove. So it, it goes onto the client's hand. We have one for right and left, medium and small, right? Most people fit mm-hmm. medium. Um, and what it does is any range of motion that you do with your hand, it can read. Um, and then it corresponds to various games. So that one we use a lot for wrist uh, flexion, extension. You can do radial and ulnar deviation. You can do gross grasp. You can even do finger individualization. And supination, um, pronation. And supination, pronation. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's the one that I tried when I visited. You yes. Know. That yeah, was a hard right. game. <laughs> it was hard Which to game do. did you play again? I did you play Pong? Did the, I did the fishing game. Oh, oh the fishing game. Nice. Yeah. It wasn't very that's good. right. You caught the dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the casting one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so there's a bunch of different games on there. I would say out of all the things we've tried, I, I still love that one the most. And clients really enjoy that as far as, the gamification aspect of both of those two devices. So it increases engagement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. And most of most of the clients that you use this with are chronic survivors, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. We currently have one client that is status post 10 weeks approximately, but he's the only one that's not yet considered to be chronic. Can we talk a little bit about how cognition improves with the the NeoFact? Is that because of the type of game that they're playing and the instructions that they're given? Like you said, it talks, it works on memory. So there is, there are a few games, for example, that will challenge. Now, it's not, you know, uh, actually, there is a cognitive aspect of it, right, Dora? We don't use that one as much, but there is a whole other um, set of games cognitive specifically. Suite. Right. Mm-hmm. For cognition, the smart board does have games that will challenge like your quick math skills or um, w- what's the other one where you have to match the the color, but it's um, what is the word of the color, but it's in a different color. Does that make sense? So, so it's, it's like, like, yeah, like the Stroop test. Right. Yeah, it's it like the Stroop test. Like yep. Exactly. So there's one of those games and there's a math game that will help, you know, this, uh, Quick, quick thinking. I should probably play that game. <laughs> Maybe we all should. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a good one. But there is a whole suite devoted to uh, cognitive games as well on the tablet. Do you have many clients who come to you for cognition or is it mainly for motor recovery? It 
I would say 90% motor recovery, but then on occasion we find cognitive deficits during the evaluation that the client had no idea about or the family had no idea about. You would say more than? Yeah, more than on occasion. I would say usually we're like, wow, they have cognitive deficits that they are really compensating for in other ways. And I don't even think their family realizes it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's usually part of our treatment. We address it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't notice someone mm-hmm. who's compensating because people who are of course high level yeah. uh, finding ways to compensate. Exactly. I think it goes on all the time. Mm-hmm. Call them the great foolers. Yeah. The what? Great foolers. They oh, the great fool foolers. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, those people must live with someone because mm-hmm. it seems to me that if someone lived on their own and had to manage right their whole everything throughout their day on their own then i think a breakdown would manifest quickly correct right. the deficits would be far more apparent if they had to live on their own mm-hmm. exactly yeah i 100% agree there okay so we talked about low tech midpoint which we started with the neofect mm-hmm. suite being more of a midpoint technology can we talk a little bit about the low tech the low tech? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, low tech, we have really anything from a good old hand paddle um, where we place a client's hand on to stretch out the flexors and provide proprioceptive input um, to the upper extremity ranger. I would consider oh, yeah. that low tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a really fun tool that we love to use um, with clients, both for usually for um, proximal stability. Um, and that's how, that's how we met. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then we use some, you know, old school techniques. Um, Wait, Dora, would you consider mm-hmm. the Sabo glove? Like the... <laughs> Is that cons- like where would you consider that? It's technically a lower tech device. Like no, it is- it's low tech. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's an excellent tool. We really love the. Yeah, Sabo it's awesome. And the Sabo stretch. I mean, it's 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 a glove, a plastic shell, and uh, rubber rubber bands that facilitate that finger extension. So I would consider it low tech for sure. But it's awesome. It's functional. Yeah. I mean, because it's low tech doesn't mean it's not functional. Oh, of course. Some of our best devices. Yeah. Are- I mean, yeah. I really appreciate all the things we have throughout the entire spectrum. They all have a purpose in, in the in the road to recovery. Yeah, that's what makes it so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go and just pull out of the closet whatever we feel the client needs and responds to. And some don't respond to low tech and the others don't respond to high tech. And yeah. Yeah, it's we really have whatever how it can vary. Some people are like, yeah. get that gadget away from me. I have no interest in this cartoon. And other people want it like they come in and they're like, please can I play the game. I want everything. Yes. Right. I want every techie thing on me. Strap it, <laughs> strap them on, fire it up. <laughs> exactly. That's interesting. What do you think it is that makes people choose something more high tech over low tech? I would I say it's just a, yeah, maybe just a personal preference. I feel like a lot of our elderly client are more, they not appreciate always. the low tech, not all of them, but some yeah. appreciate the low tech more. Um, they can identify easier with it, I think. 
whereas the middle-aged and younger um, age group is definitely into the high tech just because mm. it's different it's something you don't use every day yeah maybe they think... oh go ahead oh, i was just thinking maybe they um get bored more easily mm -hmm. yeah I'm, what were you going to say i'm sorry no, I was just going to say it is, it is interesting to see what people choose and how some people can remain engaged with it. And others are like, okay, I've done this. What's the next thing. And mm. I think it depends on the, the level of stimulation that they need to remain engaged. Um, I think that's a big factor too, and how much they can attend to a task, because if they have really short attention spans to where they can't even attend to a game very long, sometimes that can be a challenge too. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Do you mm -hmm. find that that's, how do I ask this question? How do you tell or how do you differentiate between that being a problem as a result of the stroke or the brain injury and previous personality? Right. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but I feel like if, at least for us and the clients that I'm working with and that I'm thinking of, it's the ones where you have to frequently redirect um, where you, it's likely because of their injury. Um, or their cognitive deficits. Um, but then again, it's so tough because you don't know how they were before and you don't know if they used to, you know, go on, on tangents all the time either. So mm -hmm. what do you think, Dora? No, I agree. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's tricky. It's a fine line. And I think that's what makes a good clinician. You just tease it out over several treats and talk to your colleagues. And, um, and you see the response of the clients and use the response right to, to gauge it you know you, you yeah you get and just also with family members oftentimes they bring their family members and you can just observe the response of the family members if they sit there and roll their eyes then it <laughs> kind of gives you a hit that, okay they're, they're at least used to this behavior yeah 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 i think you're right it is a clinician experience and your own attention and the things mm -hmm. that you're observing yeah. too, you know, with absolutely with family and, and caregivers. Mm -hmm. It's a whole dynamic in and of itself. Absolutely. Sometimes, yeah. So yeah, so that's our, our mid tech and our low tech. Does that mean we're going to talk about high tech now? Yes, the saucy stuff. Because I'm like, oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait <laughs> well what are we waiting for well let's do it okay let's Go do it. it okay let's don't talk. keep them waiting let's they're on talk. the edge of their seats i know yes. they're probably you know what they probably just hit that advanced 30 second button <laughs> they're like get to the point already let's go. <laughs> all right should we do another cliffhanger for the next 30 seconds no. just to be funny i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah so um i'm just gonna start talking now because i'm so excited how about you tell them how you found it? Because I, I, I was just going to do that. See Get out of my head. Get <laughs> out of my head. Um, so I attended this. It was called spring training. Um, it was a 10-day class, an online class uh, hosted from a company in Europe. So it was European time. So I got up at 2 in the morning to attend the two class. In the and she said, Lynette, yes. do this thing at two in the morning with me. And I said, respectfully, no, I'm going to have to respectfully <laughs> decline this. Well, 
let me know if awesome. interesting happens. Yeah. Because it, it was all techie and it was all about brain computer interface and EEG and everything was new to me. So everything was interesting to me and it was free on top of it. So there's no way I could have turned it away. Um, so I attended it and I learned about brain computer interface and um, I contacted the company that I learned about and got more information. And within, I'll say like four weeks or so, we had the device in the clinic to trial it. Mm -hmm. And the device is? Awesome. I mean, we really <laughs> like it, let's put it this way. <laughs> awesome. Do, are we allowed to know the name of it? I think so. I mean, the device we're using right now is called Recoverix. Um, it is, it's so fun. Like, I did not realize how geeky I am. I enjoy sitting in a dark room and looking at brainwaves. And yep. I get the biggest kick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> she found her calling. Wow. The brainwave reader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the first step, though, is it? No. Okay. No. No. So you found out about this device. She comes to the clinic and she's like, we have to have this thing. We get it four weeks later. And then. And then somebody flew down with the device and mm -hmm. set it up for us and explained it to us. And I feel like we get trained pretty quick. I think it's very um, clinician friendly. Mm -hmm. It was a quick, quick training. And since we do like technology, it was fairly simple for us um, to get used to everything and, and learn all the steps. And of course, we made ourselves um, guinea pigs. Of course, we made ourselves the guinea pigs, and it was so interesting to see Lynette in my brain. <laughs> I think we should talk about that a little bit because yeah, we did Let's talk about Lynette's brain. That was <laughs> fascinating. Oh, really? We well, didn't talk about that when I was in Florida, but we did talk about your brain, Doral. Yeah. Well, it's just yeah, my brain did not do good that morning. Mm -mm. <laughs> your, your brain was thinking about other things. So this particular device is really dependent on your ability to focus. And I would say that's probably the one major caveat is can yep. you focus? Can you attend for five minute increments at a time? It's like five minute meditations at a time because you really have to be there and attend. And if you don't, your brain waves will show it. And that your scores is... will go down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think oh, we should explain yeah. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. do that yeah, Over, yeah. overarching um, goal. Yeah. Okay. Picture. So here is how the BCI works. So we have the client seated in a chair or a wheelchair, and the client gets a mesh cap put on with uh, 16 electrodes that are placed over the motor cortex. And then we inject gel into the electrodes for better conductivity. And then the client gets two electrodes placed on each forearm to stimulate the um, wrist that's extensors. Mm -hmm. And so that's through and, the functional e-stim, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Correct. So then so I'm trying to give you an idea of what the setup looks like. So then there's a um, computer monitor or screen in front of the client and the client sees an avatar, which is two hands that- Is supposed to um, represent the, the client's hands. Represent the client's hands, yeah. Their hands are positioned on a table in front of on them? On a tabletop, mm -hmm, in Correct. front of them. Mm -hmm. 
kind well, of their arm, then, their forearm, right? Not their just forearm. their hands. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. The forearms are kind of resting on a tabletop in front of them. We usually use like a high-low table. They've got the screen directly in front of them. And then we're kind of off to the side in front of the computer screen, staring at their brain waves, reading the EEG waves. Yes. So them, so they see this picture of the two hands. So then there's, let's call it three sessions. So each session consists of 80 repetitions. The first session is a calibration session. So it just, it basically gets to know your brain waves during that time and, and reads everything. We look at it as like a, a smart device. Yeah, it calibrates itself for the actual training session. Right. So it's looking for those neurons that are firing together, like wiring together and firing to the, to try to identify which ones are firing for the, um, with the movement, correct? Right. Correct. So, and we don't want actual movement. So we don't want them to move the, their arms. Correct. So once right. the, the whole idea is we want to activate the brain and create neuroplastic changes through motor imagery. So the client is visualizing the movement, but not actually moving. And just this visualization of the movement activates the motor cortex the same way as if you're going to do a movement. And there's actually really cool studies out there that show that even though clients who are stroke survivors um, have a deficit or uh, injury um, in one hemisphere, they have the same or similar um, numbers in motor imagery as healthy test subjects. So motor imagery does not get affected by stroke, apparently, or at least not a whole lot, which is really cool. So now we can try to use this motor imagery to, to create neuroplastic changes mm -hmm. or so to help create neuroplastic changes. You're saying that the number of neurons that fire when a person imagines moving the limb is mm -hmm. this, it's the same. It's very similar to a person who mm -hmm. has actual movement. Correct. Correct. And so what you happens is, sorry, they're sitting there That's imagining, okay. imagining the movement during the calibration mode. So we'll tell them left, it just says left and right. So let's say it says left, it triggers them auditorily to, to move the left, but they don't actually move it. They just imagine moving their left arm. The EEG is reading their brain waves, and then they get the functional e-stim at the same time. So it's a basically pairing that motor imagery with that functional movement. And the stronger the connection, the better they'll fire that later on during the actual training period. Does, is that a good explanation? Yeah, I would mm. say so. So basically the, the client, once we turn on the program, the client gets an auditory cue and a visual cue. So you're going to hear a ping, and then they get the auditory cue left or oh, wow, right. that was spot on. Was it good? <laughs> it Did you make exactly the recording like too? We, no, but we I should have. <laughs> That's so <Right>. funny. <laughs> so you get the left or right, and then, then you get a visual cue. So you see an arrow on the screen, left or right. And if you visualize correctly, after the initial calibration session, that's when the functional e-stim kicks in. And as long as you're able to activate that area in your brain, as long, uh, that's how long the functional e-stim will stand up. Uh, During that period. Stay on, yeah. That, so functional mm -hmm. e-stim will stay on as long as you send signals. Correct. That are correct, that are organized and correct, yes. 
And then you get another um, verbal cue that's relax. And then, <laughs> then you relax and take a break. So what's really neat is we have the motor imagery. We have tactile feedback. We have visual feedback. We have auditory feedback. Did I say that already? Auditory? And we have proprioceptive feedback. Mm-hmm. I think we should talk about those terms in everyday language. Oh, yeah. For the survivors. Yeah, absolutely. And the yeah. caregivers that are listening and explain yeah. why that's important. That's important. Yeah. So basically, all that sensory input, all the sensation, all the things that you see, all the things that you feel, all the things that you hear are pathways to get to the brain. So yes. the more we pathways want- we have to get to the brain, the, the better the potential of outcome we have to have a, an improvement in function. Right. We want to give the body an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as the body has a some sort of experience or uh, different sensations, that's what gets the system fired up. Mm-hmm. So the auditory feedback is when the voice speaks <laughs> left. Like right. two now. <laughs> Relax. I think that's, I have a new that, job. That's pretty mm-hmm. spot on. Wow. That's incredible. And then the visual feedback. It, Mm-hmm. The visual is the arrow on the screen and also and the, the hand of the avatar will move. So if you fire correctly, the hand of the avatar will rise up just like your hand with functional e-stem. And so does their actual hand, right? With a functional e-stem. So they mm-hmm. have like three points of visual. So they could also look at their hand. Some people have a hard time looking at the screen and focusing. So we tell them it's like, okay, look at your hand. So they see and get that feedback their brain gets the feedback of, oh, this is what it looks like when the hand goes up. And then the proprioceptive feedback is going through the movement, going through the motion of that wrist extension and knowing where your body is in place, that type of input of telling the brain again, okay, something is moving here. Joints are moving. Mm-hmm. And that's happening as a result of them imagining, like it's, it's this beautiful loop. You imagine it, you get the feedback of the functional e-stem, and then it, it helps the brain relearn. And the, the better they are at, at imagining and firing that together, you, you see their scores and higher scores, you see mm-hmm. the changes, the functional changes decrease in spasticity. You see actual movement and not just in the wrist, you, you see it across the arm. Pain reduction. Yeah. But what's, Mm. what's really neat is now I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh no. (laughs) I had this like, Oh, it'll come back. Yeah. This is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So they're really, really so you must work with people who have changes in sensation in their affected limb. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. I'm sure you measure this. Do you see improvements in that where they, like if they couldn't tell where their limb was in space after engaging in the brain computer interface, do they have some improvement in that? Or even with the, like the tactile sensation? So, so far the clients that we've had had intact or semi-intact sensation. Okay. So the biggest changes that we saw in the clinic is in uh, pain reduction, spasticity reduction, and 
increased range of motion. Mm-hmm. But there's studies on the BCI that also show improvements in cognition and in two-point discrimination and other areas. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Let's talk about the pain for a yes. little bit. So maybe you can share a, a case example. Mm-hmm. Sure. Lynette, you want to go ahead? So a lot of the clients that we see have, or that came to us with for BCI had really intense or dense hemi, uh, plegia, hemiparesis, like where, where it was very tight, constantly firing, right? They have this spasticity that's very difficult to even open their hand, right? And so obviously that's very painful. So over the course of, I would say most of them can feel a difference about a third of the way through and really about halfway mm-hmm. through where they just notice this change in spasticity where they can open their hand and they can open their arm. And yes, it's not perfect, but they, they notice that difference and the pain decreases. We had a client where she had so much shoulder pain when we did therapy and after BCI, she could move without pain. That was the first thing that her mom actually noticed is that when she would help her to get dressed, she wasn't complaining of shoulder pain and she could actually raise her arm enough to put on her own shirt. put a shirt on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she had, she's been living with shoulder pain for the past five years. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yes, it is. And all of a sudden we can stretch her. um, No complaints of pain. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a game changer. Yeah, that really is. So she has active range of motion now. Mm-hmm. Or okay. she did gain active range of motion. She didn't have a whole lot. Um, and then to the begin with, increased. To and begin with, right. Increase it. Mm-hmm. The tone decreased, the pain decreased, and she gained active range of motion enough to lift her arm up to apply deodorant and to put on a shirt. That's a Which pretty big deal. Super exciting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Super exciting. Yeah. I mean, putting on deodorant is a big challenge for yeah, people. Absolutely. And to be able yeah. to, you know, you went five years being, you no, know, you know, no matter what you did, being unable to do that. Mm-hmm. And after a course of a few weeks, you can now lift up your arm to apply deodorant. That's huge. That is huge. And they weren't doing anything else other than BCI at the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was the neat thing. This one client that had this really big change did nothing else. She just did her little exercises at home and that was it. But no, no therapy with us or in other facilities, nothing. She did her basic home program just to maintain what she already had, what she had already been doing. Um, But yeah, it really made a huge impact for her. Was this a home program that she already had received prior to coming? Yes, to you? she had been doing yeah. this home program for a while. Even with us, when we were doing OT with her prior to BCI, she was doing mm-hmm. this home program. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So clients, clients really enjoy it. And I think they enjoy the outcome. They don't like enjoy the process. Yes. So the, the process is boring. The process is, it's really, really hard. It's, it's challenging. Fixed, it's like a meditation. Yeah, it's, I feel like meditation is hard, but relaxing. Whereas this, to me, when I tried it, it was hard. Mm. I could not keep focus. It was incredibly hard. But what's cool is at the end of the session, and that's kind of the reward for the clients, we get a graphic. Um, We have a bar graph that shows us how quick, when, when the client hears the word left, how quick they were able to kick in and activate right. the responsible hemisphere or when they hear right, how quick it kicks in. Um, 
and then how long, how many seconds they were able to maintain it. And then it also shows us a picture of the brain and there's two colors. There's a blue and a green. And we wanna make sure that the colors get more concentrated and organized. So when a client starts, a lot of times the blue kind of runs into the green. And it's, we'll see the, the colors it's not dis- both hemispheres. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a clear distinction of the colors. And then by the, by the end of the training, you'll see they turn into nice tight circles, like a nice green ball and a nice blue ball. And I think that's what clients really like to see how their brain changes. Mm-hmm. It's fun for us to actually be able to work directly on the brain versus on the arm. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're addressing the deficits, addressing the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the problem itself with, you know, movement. I think this really changes the way we think about recovery. I think it changes the way our understanding of Mm -hmm. what really goes on with the brain. Now I know that through research and those who engage in research like Pete understands what, what really is happening inside the brain. But those of us who haven't seen that part, you know, we read an article, but I don't know. I don't really think about brain disorganization until I start digging into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the brain is disorganized. And mm-hmm. we, the literature says the more affected and the less affected side, but we tend to think in terms of affected and non-affected, but the whole brain is affected mm-hmm. when someone has a stroke. Absolutely. And this really brings that to light. And yeah. I know, so I have a question. I wonder if people are reporting to you that their thinking feels better after they engage in this. Because I have had people who've had a stroke who say they've been told and they know their cognition is intact, but they feel like their thinking is not the same. Mm -hmm. It's slowed. You know, they get tired faster when they engage in highly cognitive tasks. Right. Yeah, we hear a lot about the fogginess. They fatigue quickly and it's the brain fog. So with the BCI, we have, at least I haven't heard anything specific from clients yet in regards to um, the way they think and if the thinking becomes easier or not. Um, I know it's incredibly draining for the client. Initially, everybody, initially, but they they built up or some built up their tolerance to it and the endurance, which is really cool to see. And usually that's something they note themselves. But there are clients, at least anecdotally, that I've noticed um, where it does seem like they're a little sharper, they're a little quicker, especially with one of one of our first clients who finished it. I was like, I I at least notice a little difference there. But yes, nothing that we have tested. But yeah, I think there's a value in self reports or in clinician observation. Absolutely. No, I do. And sometimes when you're working with someone so regularly, you don't necessarily notice those intricate changes, mm-hmm. but over time you do. Right. right? Yeah, correct. And correct. they might, they might notice later on because mm-hmm. time yeah. goes on. Yeah. How many sessions are there all together that need to be completed? So it's recommended to be done in 25 session increments. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. most people will see enough of an effect after 25 sessions. 
you're welcome to do more afterward, another round, if you will. So that's currently the current recommendation. Dora, do you want to expand on that? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. A lot of the clients, if they do see changes, they see it after about 10 to 15 sessions. And they're small, they're very small changes. And sometimes, or a lot of times, <laughs> we're the ones that have to point out the changes initially. But man, um, is it is exciting. But it's so exciting. When yes, you have so exciting. I don't know if you've experienced this step. I'm sure you have over the course of, of your treatment years. But when you have that person whose specificity is so tough, you are breaking a sweat in like, and it takes 15 minutes just to open their hand, right? Yes. And you're so excited. You got it open and you do some work and then it starts to close back up on you. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, to see BCI make such a difference in these people to where their hand is more relaxed where they don't even need to have their hand cranked open. Oh, I mean, yeah. able to open several... in 30 seconds. That's to me, that's like invaluable. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, so there are several clients where we had to ask to, have you gotten Botox lately? Because <laughs> your hand is so relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. That's probably my, my, obviously the movement is fantastic, but when you have that super challenging experience where you feel like you've done everything, you've done the ESTEM, you've done so much, you've done weight bearing, and then you have BCI that actually makes a change in such a short period of time. And right. that, yeah. And that just shows that the brain starts to reorganize itself, mm-hmm. kind of sort things out to, to get away from that hyperactivity and that constant firing mm-hmm. um, and normalizes again, which right. is so exciting. That, that is so, yeah. exciting. How many sessions a week? So clients come between two and three times a week. And then like Lynette said, the total is the recommended amount is 25 sessions. And in each session, each client gets 240 repetitions. Well, that's so one way can... to get enough repetition or at least <laughs> to know, start right? getting some that's good. Let me, let me, let me getting a ton of repetitions. Yeah. <laughs> 240. No, you're right. That is 80 times three. Yeah. That's a big difference from three sets of 20. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's That's 6,000 repetitions during the course of 25 sessions. How many? 6,000. I did use the calculator. He would be proud. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the things that stuck in my mind after one, when I first watched one of his lectures was like, it requires thousands of repetitions per joint. Per joint, oh, yeah. I know, right? Like it changes. Mm-hmm. It's a little disheartening, but when when you can do two two hundred and forty in a in a session, certainly helps. Do people ever get muscle soreness? Mm. No, mm. no reports of muscle soreness. That's amazing. We talked about spasticity. Can people who have a flaccid limb benefit from this? I believe they can. Sure. I don't. I don't, I don't see think why not. Medication, but yeah, we ha- we just haven't had anyone at that level right I mean it's really it's all about motor imagery Mm -hmm. so as long as somebody can focus and cognitively um, comprehend the instructions and try to visualize right we have had instances where people try to like game the system and they're trying to actually move their limb and you have to cue them like no it's we're just do it I know it sounds counterintuitive, but we're just imagining here and you'll get the functional e-stim, you'll get the, the trigger as a result, your hand will move as a result of your imagery, but yeah. And what's funny is we tried to trick it too. Of course we have to try and trick it. So when I was 
trying it on myself. I was imagining I was kicking a ball at, or cooking dinner or some, anything and nothing happened. So it did not fire. It did not pick up the second I was thinking about lifting my wrist up. It fired again. So oh I was unable God. to trick it. And I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I really tried. I was determined I could crack the code and break it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So Pete and I interviewed Dr. Teasel, and he talked about these interventions that are brain primers because they are, they're reorganizing the brain, mm -hmm. right? So this sounds like a brain primer. And I wonder, do you, what do you do for a home program? Like, it sounds to me like action observation would be a good intervention to follow this or mirror therapy, bilateral arm training, some mm -hmm. things where they are actually moving the limb. So with BCR, I think the, at least the way that it's been explained to us is that the goal is to really not have a lot else going on so that really? you can be sure mm -hmm. that what's working is the BCI. And then you can do additional therapy, but it's not necessarily recommended. Um, not during the time that they're receiving. Not during the time. Yeah. Afterwards, go for Correct. it. With your increased okay. movement, with your decrease in spasticity, do everything you can. Everything that you mentioned is wonderful, but they really want you to see that those changes are from the, the BCI. Uh, the BCI. Yeah. And some of our clients that did see good results with the BCI are now mm -hmm. back in OT and we're taking advantage of those changes and building up on them. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And I'll, I would think that that would be a nice selling feature because recovery is, it's work. It's a lot of effort that people have been putting in. Yeah. So it has to be nice to be able to just come to your clinic, do this relaxing thing in the dark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes a challenge for them not to fall asleep. Don't fall asleep, stay focused. Even though it's, it's, <laughs> It's mentally challenging because you have to yeah. pay attention to the commands and you have to use your brain in a different way. Mm -hmm. But when you leave, no one's saying, do this. And when you come back, no one's saying, did you do your home exercise program? Right. Did you, you know, no one's checking in other right. than to say, how are you feeling or how's right. your, yeah. So it's a nice little reprieve. Exactly. Like as long as they can tolerate that, some people do feel that fatigue after, but that's pretty much it. Wow. And it's, it's, it's tough during that time to stay focused during those five minute increments. Um, but if you can do it, I mean, the results are worth it. And we had one client, for example, he started, so let me back up a little bit. After every session, we get uh, a percentage accuracy. So the client was, let's say 50% accurate, or the client was 75% accurate in their participation or in firing the upper extremity. So clients started, was it in the 50s? I think it was in the 50s. It was like the so 60s. It was fairly 50s or 60s. So yeah, so usually the company suggests that if somebody cannot get above the level of significance, which is around 75, that we stop the treatment because it, there might not be any changes. But we talk to the client and the client agreed to just keep going. And we know the client well enough to know that he was going to get better. And sure enough, he consistently delivers 99 to hundred percent every session now. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's so wild. It took about, what was it? About 12 sessions. And yeah, then it, it took just a little clicked. while. And then he like, cla- he and exactly. just clicked. clicked. And he, like, that was his, code. that's he what he said. It. it clicked. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, we're stubborn. Exactly. We're a big advocate. <laughs> keep trying when other people say you should probably have stopped. Nah, let's keep yeah. going. Let's well, just I'm try a, one more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big advocate of stubbornness. I would rather work with a stubborn person than someone who gives up. Gives up really because <laughs> stubborn yeah. people tend to make progress. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. Oh, I had another question and it went away. Oh, mm-hmm. it's coming back. So both arms are connected to the functional e-stem. So even the one that's mm-hmm. not the affected side, Correct. that's the functional e-stem. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mess with people a little bit? Because No. So what it's looking for is differentiation of the left and right hemisphere. So when you're thinking of your non-affected side, you want to be firing your non-affected part of the brain, right? So it's, it's, it's wanting basically both hemispheres to become more specialized, go back to doing what they were doing instead of the whole brain trying to fire just to move one limb. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. To isolate them again. Right. Yeah. It does make nice sense. Division between the hemispheres. I just, I just think about myself and I, I think that it would be hard to relax a limb that What's I can move on my own. Harder is for them. Okay. So what happens is because they can fire it so easily, like let's say their right is their non-affected. It says trigger, right? They trigger it so fast with their brain that sometimes it's difficult for them they to don't even hold care. that visual yeah. image. Oh. And sometimes that will a poor score. score. <laughs> yeah. So they get a really they bad score on the Continue to imagine even your non-affected side, like you have to hold that image for it, for it to work. Because they're so focused on the affected side. So right. it's just, who cares about the side that works? Okay, I don't <laughs> care. And then we see that in the graph and we can tell them, you know, after each, each training session, we can say, oh, we really, really need you to focus on your right, even though your right is working, right. but you need to bring it up. You need to think about it longer. You need to think about it quicker. So the switch between the left and the right hemisphere um, has to happen quicker. So that's where we see right. changes. And, it's, and sometimes that's a struggle for clients to keep their extremity steady. Mm-hmm. So they want to help. Oh, yeah. So they hear oh. that you're right. So, you know, the lady says, right. Mm-hmm. So then they lift their right hand up, but we don't see it. We look at the EG. We don't see that they're actually visualizing it. Or the functional easing hasn't gone off. Right. Their arm is like, no, no, no. (laughs) Don't don't lift it up. I'm not. I'm not. It's the machine. They're like, no, no. We know it's you. It's not the machine. (laughs) The machine isn't even firing. Right. And they don't do it on purpose. It's it's all subconscious. It can be a little bit of a learning curve and like really just trusting (laughs) the process. But it's awesome. Yeah. So I think my favorite thing about this whole BCI, other than all these different brain primers and the different feedback our sensory system gets is that even with somebody with severe impairments can still be successful in BCI and the motor imagery is still possible so we can still create neuroplastic changes mm-hmm. so you don't have to be you know you don't have to be at a certain level of recovery you can be severely impaired it's okay as long as you can listen and focus and follow instructions 
um, mm-hmm. you have the same shot as somebody who already has regained some movement. And exactly. I think as clinicians, that's super, exciting. super fun to see that the device, it's not a one size fits all, but everybody gets a shot with it. That's really amazing. I know you talked about the woman who was able to lift up her arm to put deodorant on and it was easier to put a shirt on. What are some other functional changes that you've seen? Now, whether it's the client actually becoming more independent or less of a burden on the caregiver. Mm -hmm. I feel like the biggest changes that we've noted in general is the reduction in spasticity. Because I I think to be one of the quickest ones. Yeah. Paint a picture of the clients that we had trying it. Yes. Is that, I mean, these are people that couldn't do the the box and blocks test they didn't have that or even they scored very poorly on the Fogelmeyer some of them really didn't have any movement at all um to start with I would say the grand majority so just having that reduction spasticity decrease in pain and being able okay at least we can even passively range you now and we have the the seeds of movement I would say is the biggest thing but probably the client that we had mentioned before she's she had the most functional changes I would say so far so far. so far so far and the fun has just begun <laughs> exactly <laughs> now left. this is left. right so <laughs> let me ask you this <laughs> this is this is not something that insurance will reimburse for correct i mean i know that you're yeah. a private pay clinic but mm-hmm. as far correct. as we know at this time it's not reimbursable by insurance um, the components of the device are FDA approved, oh. but the whole device as one, not yet. And once once it's through FDA, then it could be an option, um, I think, for reimbursement. But at this time, as far as we know, there's no insurance reimbursement available. But we are looking to try to partner and look to see how we can provide either scholarships or something like that. Mm. Um to make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's a nice idea. Mm-hmm. Because everybody should have some BCI in their life. Well, <laughs> yeah, right? Everybody yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I know. So it since you brought more time in that dark room when looking at your EEG. <laughs> are you looking at my EEG or, or are you napping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Dora's definitely looking at your EEG. She, is, she loves it so much. Yeah, I get a kick when I see a blip somewhere. Like, oh, the C6 is, oh, yeah, it's lighting up. It's, it's noisy. Got to calm it down. Now, C6, you're not referring to a spinal level? Not spinal level. No. 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 <laughs> this is not on the electrode cap. Since you brought up scholarships and such, and since I started talking about reimbursement, I would love to talk a bit about Wow, that was hard. I would love to talk a little bit about this from a clinical perspective, mm-hmm. um, because I'm sure we have some listeners who own their own clinics. In fact, I know that we do. And investment, return on investment, I think those are tough tough parts for some OT practice owners. I, I think that that's an area that we're all growing in. So how can we can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, Or a lot, however much you want. (laughs) (laughs) So with the BCI, um, it was a learning curve for us as well. At treatment, 
costs, um, well, the, the cost of the treatment is higher than an OT session. Um, we have our OT cost mm -hmm. included in the BCI mm -hmm. treatment cost. And then we have, so it's OT treatment cost plus the device cost plus uh, a user cost that we have to pay and all those things. So when we first started, we did not realize that it takes about one and a half hours to set somebody up and take the device back down and to clean it. So if you look at it from a financial aspect, it didn't make sense for us, but we just love it so much. So we're trying so, to figure out how, yeah. how to make it work going forward, but it was, it was a bit of a wake up call during actual practice because it did take a little longer than we had initially yeah. anticipated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if we have a client, uh, one client after another client, you know, we have to clean the cap really quick. We have to blow dry it. Um, we just lose time by cleaning the equipment, sanitizing, pads down, pads back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some people go through it faster than others. Like, for example, if mm -hmm. we have clients, especially some of the men that have very hairy arms that refuse to shave them, we might have to adjust electrode pads a few times mm -hmm. throughout the session. So, or add more gel. That's another big thing. But sometimes, mm -hmm. so, so that can vary. Sometimes it's, it's quicker than others. Um, but overall, it just did take quicker than or longer than we had initially anticipated. Yeah. So we didn't, we budgeted for one hour. Um, that's what we were kind of introduced to the system. And then when we actually started it, it ended up being one and a half hours. And I don't think it's because of us not being fast. I think it's just by the time the client gets set up and mm -hmm. the know, setup, pull the pads. The and even if we have the setup laid out, usually we prep. So we have the table up, the towels out, the, the client's pads laid out, the cap ready, the jealous in the syringe. So once they come in, we can boom, 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 get them done. But it still takes a minimum of an hour and 10 minutes mm -hmm. if it's smooth. Yeah. Well, you know, things take as long as they take. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which just means for us as clinicians and from a financial standpoint, we almost have to block one and a half to two hours. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's where we kind of learned our lesson. It was tuition money, right? Mm -hmm. We learned. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think from a, just from a clinician perspective and also from a client perspective, we're so used to having certain things paid for. And uh Let's see. So the value of the clinician, you know, your clinician knowledge, education, value, all of that experience, mm -hmm. that's worth something, right? It's worth money. Mm -hmm. It's worth investment. And I have done some things. So I, I guess I have done some things to take care of myself to help improve my health that have been rather expensive. And sometimes mm -hmm. some of these things are expensive, but what you receive in benefit there's no call. Like you can't put a price tag on that. You can't, right. And that's what I'm trying to get to that. I've had this conversation with survivors when I, you do presentations in the community and things like that. And people get upset because they have to pay money for some devices or some interventions that they see the value in, but not if they have to pay money. And mm -hmm. when you, when you look at the cost of your life, you know, if the cost of not being able to do things, the cost of living in pain, um, spending the money, if you can find 
the extra money to invest in yourself and your health, then it improves your quality of life. Yeah. And there's... Yeah, you can't put a price tag on independence. I mean... Mm -mm. Oh, that's just a big one. Mm-hmm. You can't. And I'm willing to have that conversation. I, th- I don't know that we talk about it enough. I think that a lot of clinicians get frustrated with not being able to provide the quality of services that they know people deserve. Mm-hmm. But um, talking about it from a, a, a business standpoint, an owner standpoint, and a survivor standpoint, and even caregivers, it's important to think about. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the biggest motivations is like, yes, this system is costing us a lot of money, but it's so needed. Like we have to find a way to make it work. It it was kind of because of that reason. Like if you have this technology and it can make a difference, we just have to figure out how to make it work because these people need it. And it just made so much sense to us. All the aspects that the system provides are such a huge part in stroke rehab and yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a no-brainer. I was going to say that. <laughs> oh my God. Get out of my head. Get out of my I head. I love it. That's why I so very much appreciate people like you because you're willing to take the risk. You're willing to take the chance. And you know the more that that chance is taken and the more devices like this are used, the lower the cost will become. It's just when it's newer technology, it's, right, it's yeah. more expensive. Here's my arm. Here's my leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. This, we talked about that for a lot, like yeah. a lot, a long time, for a long time. That's I what I'm trying you, to say. I was ready to talk about BCI all I said, are you sure we'll have enough to talk about a BCI? She goes, I could talk about BCI all day. Well, I hope our listeners enjoyed this because I could talk about it all day too. I love hearing about interventions that work. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there are enough things that, clinicians are doing that are not making a difference. And um, can we just talk a little bit about boring? Because when I, (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes people have a misconception that therapists are there to entertain them and that recovery is going to be, I don't know, entertaining. Song and dance. Well, it is. Well, I mean, see us, you know, we we put on a show every day. (laughs) But there is that part of it. It's a balance. Like there are things that just they got to be done, and we can try to make it as enjoyable as possible. But at the end of the day, there are just some things that are are part of the recovery that just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. It's not gonna be super fun, but it's just gotta get done. Yeah. But we do we do try to make it as enjoyable as possible. Oh, I know you do. Take a survey to see how successful we are. Let's not. It might be honest. Oh, I'm pretty sure that uh, your repeat customers are testimony to that. Oh, it's true. true, true. Yeah. So, is there anything else that that you wanted to talk about tonight, today, during this episode? Sure. Well, we, since we're on the topic of just kind of therapies that add value, things like BCI, I would say one of the other things at, at NeuroHub we offer is the CIMT and the um, intensive rehabs. And we see a ton of benefit from that. Even if someone doesn't do the constraint induced movement therapy program, if they just do an intensive where you have that intense focus three hours, five days a week for a few weeks, Yes, it's a lot, but we see so much benefit from that. And the clients do too. That's when we see some of the biggest leaps and bounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's during those intensives. So we can you, intensives. 
they love them or you love them? Both. We all love them. (laughs) (laughs) There there are times in there where they may not love us a ton, but in the end, they usually do. But at the end, with results, they love us. Yes. So can you explain a little bit or describe a little bit about what do do we do during During three hours, five days a week? Yeah. So it came, the intensive program came from the CIMT, which is a three hour, five days a week, two to three weeks protocol program. So CIMT but is constraint induced constraint induced movement therapy. Correct. But you do need to have um, a certain amount amount of movement to qualify for the program. So a lot of our clients don't have that type of movement and are not that far along in the recovery yet. So we decided we'll just customize something for each client. So we do an evaluation and then we see where the deficits are and we create a custom plan. And usually we go proximal to distal, do some gross gross motor and fine motor. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we just hit it hard. And we hit it hard. We do a ton of repetitions and we focus on the fundamentals. So there are so many people whose scapulas are out of whack. They have poor um, glenohumeral scapular rhythms. So we just focus on those things. We focus on fine motor, whatever fine motor they have, gross grasp, uh, whatever it is that they have a hint of, and we just go at it. We do tons we, of repetition. We take the little and we try to make it bigger. Correct. We do tons of isolated movement without yes. compensation. So, so many yeah. clients have these super fun compensatory movement where they try to reach for something and the shoulder ends up by the ear. They pull their shoulder way up high. So we try to just focus on one movement, just forward movement. Mm-hmm. And we use different and techniques. Engage, we might do okay. it. And engage yeah, those, those do muscles it. that are like inactive. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we might do it in, in laying on their back or in side lying. So we can really isolate the movement and let the client feel it and see it and believe it. <laughs> Lots of, yeah. We really tailor it to that specific person though, whatever it is that they yeah. might have. Um, they're like right on the verge of getting, or they have a little bit of movement. Then we just expand on that. But we see really, really fun results from our intensives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you offer that for your clients. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And then, I mean, it's, it's a win-win, right? They get results and they only have to put up with, with us for two, three weeks. And then they're... <laughs> well, then what do they do? They spend three hours a day, five days a week with you. Then what are they supposed to do without you? Do I, they miss I you? Know. It's a little sad. They, I think most of them miss we do us. Get, yes, we do get texts. Hey, <laughs> can I come back? <laughs> I love it. It's a promise to keep moving mm-hmm. once they leave us. Otherwise, we'll come find them. So I know with constraint-induced movement therapy, there's the behavioral contract that was recommended. Right. And I know mm-hmm. Dr. Taub talks about the the home program, the importance and the value mm-hmm. of the home program yeah. for carryover. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. mentions that's why they had such good success with that. And I know he's not doing that program currently, but do you address that? Yes, but a lot of our clients are not able to do a full home program with Dr. Taub, it's more a functional home, like functional use of the extremity and the clients that we see for the ex- intensive programs don't have that functional ability. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would give them a home exercise program or say until tomorrow, I want you to really work on 
upright posture, every time you walk by a mirror, pull your shoulders back, or every mm-hmm. time you check your phone, remind yourself, pull your shoulders back. More that sort mm-hmm. than engaging in functional tasks. Right. And I think you hit it spot on because for CIMT, they would have enough hand movement to do functional tasks. Whereas if they don't have the hand movement, they're not in CIMT. So they're in the intensive. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's, but what's, what's really fun to see for the clients that are doing the intensives that don't have a lot of function. Sometimes during the program, we get the, the report of you won't believe it. Last night, I was able to flush the toilet with my hand or I bumped <laughs> on the light switch. You know, those. The That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's exciting. I can open the refrigerator stories. door now. Yeah, all those, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it matters mm-hmm. if the home program is functional or not. I think that it matters that there is a home program mm-hmm. because that's really when people continue to make progress. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then part of the home program, it's not just exercises that we give. We always tell them, like, make sure you get enough rest, mm-hmm. turn mm-hmm. off your TV two hours before you close your eyes. <laughs> they get the lecture every time. Put your phone down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time went by quickly for me. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a happy hour. <laughs> it, it is like a happy hour. Happy Was hour and a half. Happy, 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 happy. Well, this was great. So um, let's wind it down. Okay. Uh, is, is there one last thought that either one of you would like to share? I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I think, I think you did too. Yeah. Just, you know, I would say this. For, for those who are on the, the road to recovery, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Just don't give up and keep moving. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest home instruction we can give you is involve your limb in everything you can possibly do. That's keep trying different things just because one thing doesn't work. Doesn't mean others won't be there. Just keep going. Just keep. Yeah. Keep Mm -hmm. it up. We know, we know that the brain is plastic. We know the brain can change. It's just a matter of finding the just right for you. Mm-hmm. Wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear from you. Ask us questions and share your thoughts by email at nogginsandneurons at gmail.com. That's noggins, the word and, spelled out, neurons at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with others you think will benefit. Also be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll catch you next time on Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified.